want you to ponder this right now. Imagine you're hooking up with a new hottie or your regular partner. You're getting turned on and you're really into the sexy stuff that you're sharing together when all of a sudden his hands go around your throat and start to squeeze. If you're not into it or not expecting it, or even if you are into it but not expecting it, having someone constrict your airways is a threat. It is a threat to your life. In an intimate moment, that can be pretty confronting and pretty terrifying. But researchers are telling us that choking during sex has well and truly hit the mainstream. One of those researchers at the forefront of this exploration into choking during sex is Dr Debbie Herbenick. She's a professor at the Indiana University School of Public Health, and Debbie has been working in the field of sexuality for over 20 years. In this time, she has seen rough sex get even more violent. I caught up with Debbie for the Ladies We Need to Talk episode, Choking During Sex, Can It Ever Be Safe?, And I started by asking her how much of an increase in sexual strangulation has she seen recently? In recent years, um, we have seen uh, a few things. First of all, is an overall decrease actually in partnered sexual frequency, but curiously, an increase in rough sex behaviors. So what are rough sex behaviors? Rough sex behaviors can mean a lot of different things. Um, And some of what influences what a person thinks of as rough sex is what gender they are and what age they are. So I'm in my 40s and people my age and older often think about rough sex as pulling hair, um, kind of vigorous, uh, you know, vigorous kinds of sex, uh, maybe a little bit of light spanking, things like that. That's what they that's what folks think of as rough sex. But when we have um, asked young adults, you know, college students, people in their 20s, early 30s, what they think of as rough sex, even though those things still count, they overwhelmingly say that rough sex also means choking, smothering, um, slapping the face, slapping the genitals, other kinds of things like that. So it seems like people's conceptions of rough sex have um, gotten rougher, if you will. So tell me about why you chose to focus on choking. A few reasons. Um, First of all, when we started doing some research back in 2016 in connection with the documentary Hot Girls Wanted, um, we were looking at a range of sexual behaviors that were common to pornography and choking was one of them, but that we were also increasingly hearing about from our college students and other young adults. And so choking was by far the behavior that seemed to have increased the most of the rough sex behaviors. But in addition to how prevalent it was, we also found that it was the most consequential. You know, no one really gets very hurt from a little bit of light spanking. Um, You know, there are lots of kinds of rough sex that you can do without consequences. Uh, But choking, even though very rare, can kill people. Much more commonly, it has, you know, a range of other health effects as well, though. So we we were interested in it because of its prevalence, but also because of the impact it can have on people's lives. We're going to get to that in a sec. But, Doctor, I wanted to ask you about the young women that you studied. So you found that two thirds of women aged 18 to 24, so in that very young cohort, who had done at least kissing at the very minimum, had also been choked in a sexual encounter. So two thirds of those people, that sounds like a huge number. It is. It really shocked us. We knew from hearing from college students, um, just in my teaching and, and other colleagues, 
that it was becoming more popular, but two thirds, right? To become a, a very prevalent behavior, a majority behavior in a pretty short span of time, as somebody who tracks um, population level sexual trends, it's really a, a rapid change. Why do you think choking is such a thing? We asked people. We wondered too. You know, why why did it become such a thing? We interviewed dozens of people who have engaged in choking, either doing it to somebody else or having it done to them. We asked them where they learned about it. Um, and young men overwhelmingly list pornography as one of the most common sources of learning about choking, you know, having a sense that people might like it, that it's sexy, that it's erotic. Um, and young women do sometimes say pornography or or their partner's use of pornography. But they were also talking about TikTok videos and memes that they would see on Twitter and other forms of social media. And everybody was also talking about it, seeing in TV shows like Euphoria and a range of movies and, and shows and so on. So, you know, it's just kind of out there at this point in the mainstream culture. And many parents and other uh, other adults who are in their 40s and older are generally unaware of how popular it's become. Well, just even talking about it, I feel I feel breathless. I'm like, get your hands off my throat. It makes me panic. Do you have any sort of visceral reaction to the idea of choking yourself? You know, I, I've become more comfortable um, over the recent years because I've been studying it now for several years. But certainly when I first realized this was becoming a trend, I did have a visceral reaction. I mean, I think, you know, my, my hands would go to my own neck thinking, oh goodness, you know, like what, what's happening? And it's not that the it's not that the sexual behavior was new. I mean, I've, I've been in this field more than 20 years. My colleagues and I all know that choking, which by the way, is a form of strangulation, it's not really choking, which refers to an internal blockage of the airway, but it's external pressure on the neck. So that's a little bit of a nuance, but it's important to many people. So it's not a new thing, right? That's all, it's been described across hundreds of years. But what is new is that it's so common. And so it used to be something that probably, you know, one or two or 3% of people had done. So now to be something that most people have done, that in fact, one in three 18 to 24 year old women have done the last time that they had sex, that's a striking change. Doctor, in the heterosexual experience, is choking equally gendered? Like are women choking men as much as you see men choking women? Absolutely not. Between women and men, it is almost always women um, on the receiving end of being choked. It is very rarely men. Even for the men who try it sometimes to see what it's like, or maybe their female partner says, you know, let me just try this so you understand what I'm what I'm experiencing. They they kind of would laugh about it, right? The women would say, it's not like I can really hurt him. So it's just kind of a, a silly thing we did. Um, and the guys would say something similar, like, oh, her hands are so small or, you know, she's she's a lot weaker. So it was fine for her to try it because she couldn't really hurt me. Right. So part of the eroticism is about, you know, potential risk or danger as well. And it it just doesn't go both ways. Yeah, it's about power. And that idea, that nuance that you mentioned about strangulation, you know, if you say it's men strangling women, it sounds so much more serious. It does. And nobody connects with the idea of it being strangulation. And we would ask people when we first started studying it, because if, if for us, if we want to do the surveys, we have to first understand the words that people use so that we can ask the right questions. So we spent a lot of time asking people of all genders what they call it, and nobody called it strangulation, even if they were doing it very high intensities, even if they were using things like a belt or a cord um, instead of just one or both hands, which is it's much more common to use one hand. So, yeah, n nobody connects with the idea of it being strangulation, even though technically it is. So we've talked about women, especially younger women, 
I'm also in my 40s, same as you, and you know, I'm in that cohort of women who are divorcing, who are sort of single again and, you know, on the apps possibly for the first time ever. Are older women experiencing the same increase in this strangulation slash choking? Absolutely. I mean, we're not seeing um, women in the 40s um, reporting anywhere near the percentages as women in their 20s and 30s. But there are absolutely people who are out there dating and hooking up and on the apps and who are really surprised um, at the level of roughness that they're experiencing, whether through choking or slapping or other kinds of rough sex. And what about in same-sex partnerings? Yeah, so with same-sex partnerings, choking is even more common than between women and men. Um, It's more reciprocal when it's between women, so more of the sharing of the experience of it, not just one person always doing it to the other one. And it is common between men as well. In your opinion, is there anything wrong with choking between consenting adults? You know, I've spent my career focused on sexual pleasure and enjoyment and orgasm. So I will say that on one hand, I am somebody who doesn't, as they say, yuck somebody's yum. All right. If somebody really likes something, I've always been very supportive of, um, of that perspective. At the same time, I'm also somebody who believes strongly in what we call informed consent, right? That you make decisions based on having all of the information available to you. And what became concerning to me really quickly is that because choking as a sexual practice increased so rapidly, and I think you know nobody was really noticing when this happened, we don't really have a lot of information about it. But everything that my team hasn't been able to do in terms of the research and others has you know has really shown that there are some concerning health consequences to it, and that if you are therefore choking without realizing that, and you just think, oh, it's fun, it's not, it's not risky, nothing's really going to happen to me, you don't really have all of the information to make that choice. Um, and I think it goes both ways, right? Both to to be the person who it's happening to, but even to do something to another person that might harm them. Mm. If you're doing that without realizing that, though, that's a tough position to put somebody else in. So could you please talk us through the short and long-term health risks or health consequences of choking during sex? So um, so a lot of that research comes from the body of literature on intimate partner violence strangulation, which is a little bit similar to sexual choking, but also quite a bit different, right? And so some of what we've done is try to understand how they're similar, how they're different. Uh, with sexual choking, people are often engaging in that far more times than intimate partner violence choking. So on the one hand, it's more frequent to be sexually choked, but on the other hand, it's often lighter. And I say often, not always, because some people do choke really hard in consensual sex. And that matters because, um, you know, the frequency of choking and the intensity matter in terms of blocking oxygen to and from the brain. And so most of what we think about with choking slash strangulation is its effects on the brain. And so you can have short-term effects, like while being choked, somebody might notice some vision um, changes. Their vision will often get really blurred. They might see spots. They might have like this tunnel vision. And maybe for a few minutes or a few hours after being choked, they might have a headache. So those are more short-term and some of them kind of in-the-moment experiences that they may have. But from the strangulation literature, what we know is that when you have this cumulative um, experience of and repetitive experience of 
stopping oxygen to and from the brain, that you also raise your risk of depression, of anxiety, of recurrent headaches, ongoing problems with the ringing in the ears, and even things like, you know, stroke and, and cardio and cardiac arrest. Um, people can die. It's very, very rare that people die from choking during consensual sex, but it does happen. There's a, a recent case here in the U.S. where that's an issue. And so in our preliminary research, we have found that people who have um, histories of being choked um, more times um, are also reporting more problems with depression and for women, anxiety. And we also have some preliminary research where a colleague invited women who had histories of being choked and also women who didn't have histories of being choked. And he actually did brain scans of these women. And we did find some differences between the women who had been choked and the women who hadn't. So there may be some neurological differences as well that we need to be paying attention to. Wow, that sounds quite serious. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it feels really serious to me, especially if people are making that choice without all the information mm. at their disposal. And we, and we don't know how long term it is. It might be that you can, you know, take a break for a while and and do some yoga and um, take care of your brain the way you would if you were recovering from other forms of brain injury or concussion. But we we should be paying attention to this. Among the other consequences, neck pain and bruising and a hoarse voice. Yes, it's a long list of things that can happen. Yeah, so we have, I think we found around 16 or so, 16, 17% of people who had ever been choked had experienced bruising. We've had participants in our studies who have had neck pain. Neck swelling is pretty rare, but if somebody has neck swelling from being choked, it's usually considered a more of an emergency situation that they should seek medical care for and make sure that they are all right. Not too many people completely lose consciousness from being choked. It's probably around 3%. But if you lose consciousness from being choked, then um, you know that is considered probable traumatic brain injury. So I think we have to talk about these things. But in, I think mostly what we see when we see the articles, like if you Google how to choke somebody during sex, they don't talk about those kinds of things. They might say that in rare cases, people can die. And I think most people do know that, but they they don't know anyone who's died. So they don't think that that can happen to them. But there's almost no discussion in these online articles about all of that middle ground, right? The, the headaches, the depression, the ringing in the ears, um, the neck pain. And so I think those things really, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about them because I think people need to, to weigh that when they make this choice for themselves. Let's talk about consent because anecdotally my understanding of how this occurs during sex is often with no conversation leading up to it. It's just kind of treated like a kiss or a, a bit of light oral or something. Your research suggested some grey areas around consent with regard to strangulation and choking. What did you learn? It does. You know, consent is is always such a difficult topic with any kind of sex in the sense that people don't always go through clear communication as a consent process, but they still might consider something consensual if it was okay with them, right? And I think many of us know this even when it comes to things like oral sex, vaginal sex, um, people don't always use their words. And when we started doing this research, we thought, well, surely people must be talking more openly about choking because it's a higher risk sexual behavior. And that was our assumption. And we turned out to be wrong about that. So even though we found in interviews with people that they often say that people should go through a verbal communication or consent process before choking somebody, in reality, we found that they often don't. Um, and so it has become such a normalized or mainstream practice that many people do it without first talking about it. 
They may try to figure out if somebody's okay with it by gently putting their hand on their partner's neck and then trying to kind of read their body language and then proceeding if they seem okay with it. Some just do it and then ask later, was that all right? And because it's so mainstream, it is all right with many people, but it's not all right with everybody. And so some people are also feeling really scared by the fact that they're being choked, you know, without any discussion. Some people don't know about choking as a common sexual practice, so they may actually think they're being killed. And so there's just a whole range of ways that people are approaching this. And I I do think it's concerning and we need to do far better with educating people about consent and choking than we are, especially because it, you know, not everybody can breathe or talk depending on how hard they're being choked in the hand position. So there's not always an easy opportunity to say stop or no, or I don't like that especially if you're afraid of what's happening or if you've lost your breath or voice. Yeah, and I think especially if you're very young and you don't even know what you like. Yes, and in fact, one of the things we were also really surprised about in doing the interviews is how many of the young women in particular that we spoke with whose very first experience of being choked occurred the very first time they had sex. And it really is just something that that happens to many people. And what we've been hearing even more recently is, is some teenagers are really telling us that it's not even just happening at the first like sex or intercourse anymore, but it's it's been backing up. So many, you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds are saying, oh, this is something I've been experiencing since I started making out with people. They would just go to choke or slap me. Crikey. That sounds really bad to me. Yeah, I mean, it sounds bad to me. I mean, you know, my again, being in my 40s, my memories of those early, uh, you know, making out experiences are you might be nervous about how to use your tongue, you know, or like about your breath or or these things. And we, you know, we had one woman in the study who literally talked about this makeout session and how somebody starts choking her and hitting her. And she said, fortunately, I'm trained in martial arts. So I was able to block the choke. And I'm thinking like, you shouldn't have to be trained in martial arts to like hook up, right? Like you should just be able to, to hook up and be worried about these, these other things like your breath and and your technique and, and, and just kind of basic stuff, not whether you're going to be choked or hit. Your research found that women are the ones sometimes asking to be choked. They're the ones kind of driving the strangulation during sex. Do you have theories about why? You know, some, I I have interviewed some women who I think would love choking if you plopped them down at any time of history, right? Like it's probably something that they really like, but those women are few and far between. Mostly what we get a sense from of people of all genders is that there's actually doesn't seem to be a, a whole lot of love of it for most people, but they all seem to think their partner likes it. And we do have a lot of women asking for it. Um, some women tell us it's because they just really like to be submissive, but of course there's lots of ways to be submissive. When you do lose oxygen to the brain, it's it's a well-known effect that you can experience euphoric sensations. So there's some portion of them that like the euphoria, but mostly they just tell us that it feels like, you know, kinky or adventurous and some portion also worry about being what's called vanilla shamed or seen as kind of boring or, you know, too vanilla in sex. So there's a lot of different reasons. What would you like to see change around choking and sex? There's a lot I would like to see change. I would love to see in an ideal world, but I don't think it's going to happen, schools to address sexuality education in ways that reflect 
the ways that young people actually have sex or are kind of put in a position of having to think about, right? Like, is this the kind of sex that I want to be having? So that's things like sexting, rough sex, including choking. I would love for the media that covers choking to address more of the realities of it. You know, three years ago, it's true, we didn't have much research about it, but my team and others have been really busy. <laughs> we now have dozens of studies out there. So there's no excuse for, for magazine articles anymore to just say, to treat it like it's this fun, sexy thing to do without giving the realities of the potential health effects and without giving information about how you really communicate about intensity and duration and risk and health histories, right? If you have like a seizure history, this is not a behavior that you should be doing. So there's a lot of things I'd love to change, um, but mostly I think we need to start some open conversations, especially between parents and teens since schools aren't likely to take this on. Communication seems to be the answer and it's something that keeps coming up in all things to do with sex, bodies, sexual health, that kind of thing. Let's say that you're a young person listening to this podcast and you may be on your horizon, maybe a sexual encounter. How can you bring up choking before your clothes come off? I think young people should bring it up before it comes off because I think the hardest thing is when it's just, um, it comes out of nowhere. So I will say that many young people do talk about sex before having it. It's kind of fascinating. Um, it's become really common for many young people to text or message about sex or hooking up before they do it. But this is this kind of is tricky. So unfortunately, one thing that we see, and I've been, you know, done expert witness work on on cases involving sexual misconduct and assault before. So I've seen a lot of these text exchanges. And one thing that's really important for people to know is that texting does not necessarily mean somebody consents to it. Sometimes people text about their fantasies um, or what they think is sexy or hot. It doesn't mean they want to do it in real life. So I think that's important to know because there is often a lot of texting about this before it happens. So it's not enough to just say like, what are you into? Sometimes they say like, what are you into? And the other person says rough sex and they leave it at that. Um, but again, rough sex means different things to different people. One person might be thinking, I want to be spanked, and the other person might just start to like choke or smother them or or hit them and so on. So having clear communication about like, what do you like to do? What would you really like to do in real life? Like not just fantasy. If somebody's sharing things, like ask them, you know, is this just like for fun, for to be sexy, for arousal, for like, you know, tech sex or whatever? Or do you actually want to do this? And even if they say they do, still talk in real life, like when you're there in person, about what you actually still want to do. For choking, I would, again, I think people should probably just not choke given the risk of death and very high risk injuries, um, like cardiac arrest and stroke and so on. They're rare, but they, they do happen. And there are people in jail in Australia and in the US and other places because of this. So, you know, I think it would be wise to just say no, no thanks to choking. Let's find another way to explore. Um, but if they're going to do it, also to start out super gently, to have safe words, to have safe gestures. Some people will even put their hands on the collarbone instead of the neck itself. So they're not cutting off oxygen to the brain or, or the airway through the trachea. Always being sober, you know, rather than using any drugs or alcohol when, when doing this higher risk behavior um, is another thing to keep in mind. 
That was Dr Debbie Herbenick, Professor at the Indiana University School of Public Health, speaking to me for the Ladies We Need to Talk episode on choking during sex. And you can listen to the full episode right here in the ABC Listen app.